This is a podcast by The Straits Times. You're listening to The Straits Times Unsolved Mysteries of Southeast Asia. General Yamashita's Lost Gold. It's a yarn as fantastical as any Indiana Jones tale. Splendid treasures stashed in secret caves and along hidden tunnels by desperate, retreating Japanese soldiers as World War II drew to a close. An amateur treasure hunter stumbling upon one such stash decades later. A one-ton Buddha statue carved entirely out of gold and its head stuffed full of diamonds. And a dictator's attempt to seize that treasure for his own to fund his corrupt and brutal regime. For over half a century now, this tale has captivated the imaginations of scores of treasure hunters in the Philippines, driving them to venture deep into the country's dense jungles, excavate vast swathes of land, and scour cave after cave across the archipelago all in the fervent hope of finding the fabled plunder that top Japanese commander General Tomoyuki Yamashita is believed to have hidden in the Philippines in the waning days of World War II. One thing with this is the thrill of knowing the unknown. There is always the excitement, there is always the joy of knowing the unknown. Uh, knowing whether you will be getting something is always there and it pulls you. General Yamashita's fabled treasure has often been referred to as the source of the Philippines' late dictator Ferdinand Marcos's immense wealth. With Marcos's son, Mr. Ferdinand Marcos Jr., now standing a good chance to win presidency of the country in May, returning the wealthy Marcos dynasty to power, is the secret of General Yamashita's lost gold doomed to be buried forever? It was December 8, 1941, when the Japanese Imperial Army, under the command of General Tomoyuki Yamashita, began its invasion of Southeast Asia. The Japanese Army rampaged across the region, capturing Burma, Malaya, Indonesia, and the Philippines within a year, killing millions of people and inflicting immense suffering on millions more. In the three to four years that followed, they plundered their conquered lands, looting and extorting from banks, businesses, private homes, and amassing an enormous trove of treasure, precious jewels, and gold. When the war finally came to an end on September 2, 1945, with Japan's formal surrender following the atomic bombing of the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, General Yamashita, who was commanding troops in the Philippines at the time, was taken and tried for war crimes. In Manila, 32-day trial of General Tomoyuki Yamashita nears its end. First Japanese to be tried for war crimes, Yamashita takes the stand. He was convicted and eventually hanged. The commission finds you guilty as charged and sentences you to death by hanging. Tomoyuki Yamashita, convicted in the death of 60,000 helpless men, women and children. But before General Yamashita was captured, he was said to have ordered his trove of plundered treasure to be hidden deep in caves, tunnels, and underground complexes in the Philippines. 
The loot from war was distributed over more than 170 sites across the country, according to Mr. Arnold Cruz, a spokesman for the Treasure Hunters Association of the Philippines and a retired naval officer who has dedicated much of his life to hunting down the gold. The ultimate goal of war is the profits. You know, that is the ultimate goal. Our Philippines became the depositories. Everything that taken from these uh, 12 nations in Southeast Asia was brought to the Philippines. That was the, uh, the beginning of this thing. Sometime in 1970, a quarter of a century after the war ended, a common locksmith, Mr. Rogelio Rojas, stumbled upon a network of tunnels near a hospital in the northern city of Baguio. Inside those tunnels, Mr. Rojas, his brother Jose, and fellow treasure hunter Al Mumali found human remains, radios, rifles, bayonets, and other equipment used in war. Digging deeper, they broke through a concrete wall to discover, sitting behind a barrier, a golden Buddha. It was a statue, standing a meter tall, cast in solid gold and weighing over a ton. It had a detachable head, and inside, according to Mr. Rojas, was handfuls of uncut diamonds. It took ten men to haul the statue out of the tunnels, and the hidden chamber where the Buddha was found were also some samurai swords, war artifacts, and huge stacks of boxes. Mr. Rojas said that in one box, there were 24 gold bars. Elated, Mr. Rojas quickly went public with that discovery. Surely, he believed, he had struck it rich this time. But his move would ultimately prove to be a costly mistake that would haunt him for the rest of his life. Months after the discovery, late one night, soldiers suddenly barged into Mr. Rojas' home. They gave his brother a vicious beating, seized the golden Buddha, diamonds, swords, and gold bars, and quickly cut them off into the night, never to be seen again. Word of Mr. Rojas's fabulous find, it seemed, had reached the ears of the country's dictator, Ferdinand Marcos. An angry, bitter and indignant Mr. Rojas went to the media and took his grievance to the courts. He wanted his treasure back. It was his. He had found it. He was arrested. And when he refused to sign papers relinquishing his claims over the find, he was tortured. Mr. Rojas claimed to have been electrocuted, repeatedly burned with lit cigarette stubs and beaten unconscious with a mallet. His brother and friend, too, suffered for their find. Mr. Rojas would remain behind bars until 1974 and then fade into oblivion after his release. In the ensuing years, however, Mr. Rojas never forgot the treasure that was taken from him. It wasn't until 1986, after a revolution ousted Marcos from power and forced him to flee to Hawaii, that Mr. Rojas took up his case again, resuming his pursuit for the Golden Buddha. In 1988, he sued Marcos and the former dictator's wife, Imelda, in Hawaii. The legal battle dragged on for eight long years. And then, in a stunning verdict in 1996, a jury ordered the Marcos family to pay a staggering 22 billion US dollars to Mr. Rojas' estate over the stolen treasure. By then, however, both men were already dead. 
Mr. Marcos died in 1989, and Mr. Rojas in 1993. More legal battles played out in the following years over the compensation amount and the actual value of Mr. Rojas's treasure. The Marcoses never paid up. Philippine authorities returned a bronze-plated Buddha statue to Mr. Rojas's family, who claimed that it was only a replica of the original, and the real golden Buddha has never reappeared. Its story lives on, however. Mr. Arnold Cruz, spokesman for the Treasure Hunters Association of the Philippines, insists that the golden Buddha is still somewhere out there, just waiting to be found once more. This is what I heard: that the Buddha is on a pyramid type. It's、uh, black granite. It's on a pyramid granite、uh, with cut on the top, and it's there on top of it with fountains on the side. Uh, you could not see it because it's hidden inside somewhere, and nobody could see it. But it's still here. The missing golden Buddha could well be sitting snug inside a luxury apartment in New York, according to Mr. Manny Pais, a retired U.S. Navy officer who's part of a research team of treasure hunters, geologists, tunneling experts, and mining engineers commissioned by the History Channel for a docu series on General Yamashita's lost gold. When former President Marcos was in Hawaii, he was in- intercepted by the U.S. Customs authorities. Lo and behold, they found some、uh, gold bars and other treasures in, in their in their luggages, and some were even hidden on pumpers, baby pumpers. An acquaintance of mine, who was the who was the son of a former governor in the Philippines, who is a good friend, a former first lady, Miss Imelda Mark. They were invited to their apartment in New York, and you know he said that he found the golden Buddha. But you know, I have not seen any news article saying that the golden Buddha was there. But you know, most of the time people are secretive. Today, the dictator's son, Mr. Ferdinand Marcos Jr., is a strong front runner in the Philippines' upcoming presidential election on May 9, leading his closest rival by a wide margin, according to opinion polls in March. Going by the survey results, he's right on the verge of returning his once disgraced family to power, thus casting the spotlight back on the Marcos family's immense wealth once more. In a way, the Marcos's wealth is an unsolved mystery of his own. Court records show the dictator Marcos and his wife Imelda owned dozens of luxury homes, with walls blanketed with works by famed artists, including Monet, Picasso. And Van Gogh, and then there's Mrs. Marcos's infamous collection of some 3,000 pairs of designer shoes, as well as her extravagant jewelry collections, including one five million U.S. dollar 70-carat light blue diamond. Mrs. Marcos told the BBC in 1996 that she once discovered a wall of gold bars covered in lead when she tried to renovate one of her homes. When he went to、uh, politics, he had already quite a stash of precious metals. And you, did you really discover it because he used to cover the gold in lead, and he he、uh, it was really the, the old、room? the old gold was the old gold bullion was covered with lead. Right, and, and the, the walls of the house that the you house, moved in、yes. were built were made out of this stuff. Yes. And, and then I, I I tore it down, not knowing what was in there,、uh, because I wanted the house to be to be.、Um, 
spacious. So one day, Melvin, let me get and this then one you day, got a hacksaw I, I, and I you started the, hacking the walls down? I had it all out. I had it all out, all the, the things, all these walls down, because it was so ground up and then walled. And so I threw all these things outside. And when he came that day, he said, where is the wall? He was so scared. I said, I threw it out. And then he said, where? So he ran there. To my surprise, it was gold bullions that was covered with lead. And what can arguably be considered the greatest treasure hunt of all time? The Philippine government has so far seized some 174 billion pesos worth of assets from the Marcoses, found to have been plundered from government coffers during Ferdinand Marcos' time in office. That's a present-day equivalent of more than 8.7 billion U.S. dollars. Another 126 billion pesos, or 6.3 billion U.S. dollars, is still being disputed in the courts. With Mr. Marcos Jr. seemingly standing at the very cusp of the presidency today, questions are already swirling around the issue of how he will handle national efforts to recover his family's plundered wealth and deal with the outstanding tax bill on his estate to the tune of some 3.9 billion U.S. dollars. It could go two ways says political analyst Lucio Pitlow, a research fellow at the Asia-Pacific Pathways to Progress Foundation. Well, there are two ways of looking at it. It's possible that the, the Marcos, you know, uh, Marcos family, through Senator Marcos winning the presidency, may be able to, you know, talk with his family and the associates of his late father who were able to really amass wealth during the martial law years, maybe find a way to uh, seek a compromise agreement where they would be able to maybe surrender uh, to the government, return to the public the money that was uh, generated, you know, uh, that they were able to amass during the time when their family was in power. So that is one possibility. The other possibility is, of course, uh, as a president, might be difficult for groups to uh, demand a fair accounting, you know, and more so a return of this ill-gotten wealth. You know, uh, maybe Marcos may double down and, and argue that his family, whatever issue that uh, his father had, was already settled, and that uh, his win is, is a vindication, a fresh mandate telling those critics that the people have made their voice heard. Mr. Arnold Cruz, a spokesman for the Treasure Hunters Association of the Philippines, tells of accounts of a battalion of Filipino soldiers and army engineers said to have, under the orders of the dictator Marcos, dug up over 60,000 tons of General Yamashita's lost gold from at least 30 sites across the country decades ago. For comparison, if that were true, it would be the equivalent of about a third of all the gold that has ever been discovered throughout human history. Mr. Cruz says, Marcos's customs declaration when he fled to Hawaii, hand-drawn maps left behind by a Japanese prince to his Filipino valet, stone markers, buried structures, and scores of valuable items actually unearthed in the Philippines over the past decades, all point to the conclusion that there's certainly precious treasure that's hidden out there. There are 17 more golden Buddhas still waiting to be found. Two of them at least four meters in height, he claims, and bought on this belief, many treasure hunters are, to this day, quietly continuing their quest for gold. <laughs> 
uh, basically most of these are illegally done because they do not uh, get permit coming from the government. And uh, this, there is always this uh, fear among the retrievers that uh, the government will always take it from them. The indiscriminate digging from Filipinos' sustained treasure hunting frenzy has cost the Philippines its past, laments archaeologist Jose Ilieza Basales. He's an assistant professor at the Department of Anthropology, Sociology and History at the University of San Carlos in Cebu. It's very destructive. Archaeology in itself is destructive. Once we excavate, we can never bring back what we have excavated. We can never put back the original state. So we record every step of the way. There's so much recording, there's mapping. There's a lot of things that archaeologists do. Treasure hunters do not do that. They immediately remove and they abandon and they leave a hole, a deep hole. Many of them lack education. Many of them are you know, poor farmers trying to find a way out of their poverty. And that's one of the reasons that feeds into this uh, this whole mess of treasure hunting. Uh, the other is, of course, the media. You know, movies were made about uh, the Yamashita treasure. Uh, it was a blockbuster movie in 2001, which, you know, lumped up all the stories about the Golden Buddha and all that. Made everyone think all over the Philippines, when, hey, maybe this is true. So it's our way out. So everybody now is thinking that they can go out into the field or in a farm or patch of land or, or, or anything that looks old, like a cemetery. And many cemeteries have been looted because of the belief that the Japanese also buried their gold in certain sections or the older sections of cemeteries. And so it's really destructive. But at the end of the day, I think it's pure greed. People are obsessed with gold more than with knowing about our past. And, and that derails whatever we do as archaeologists. So a country without an anchor to the past is a country that cannot move forward. I mean, what where is our soul as a people if we destroy them, if we destroy our connection to our past? That's beyond the colonial experience. There's something longer than that longer than the colonial experience. We were a people already, we were people, different islands, different languages, but we were existing already for hundreds, for thousands of years. And in those caves, in those open sites, are the evidences. And they're being destroyed by treasure hunters. You've been listening to an episode of the Unsolved Mysteries of Southeast Asia, General Yamashita's Lost Gold, by The Straits Times. It is produced by Raul Dansel, Magdalene Fang, Janning Tan, and Teotong Kai. Check out the full story in a podcast description. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel, Asian Insider, on your favorite audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, for the next episode of Unsolved Mysteries of Southeast Asia. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.